You may be seated, and this morning, again, I want to bring to you a message entitled, The King is Looking for You. And today's message is about a young man with a very difficult name to pronounce. His name is Mephibosheth. Now, if you can say Mephibosheth three times at the end of this service, I'm going to give you the title of my new book called Mephibosheth, which I don't have. But his name means dispeller of shame. You see, when Mephibosheth was just five years old, his dad, Jonathan, and King Saul, and all of Saul's sons, really, had been killed out on Mount Gilboa. And they were fighting the Philistines. And here is Mephibosheth. He is the one left of Jonathan's household, Saul's son. And here he is, a young man who is... Born into royalty and he's destined for the throne. We could say he's destined for a wealthy condition and a wealthy location. But his dad had passed away, was killed. And in Eastern culture, when a new king was to take the place of another king, it was very, very common for that king to go and kill all the other ones that were part of the former king's family. And so we see in 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4, there was great fear in the household of Mephibosheth. There was great fear in his nurse. And in 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse, we see this. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was, a, that was lame in his feet. He was five. When the news came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee... That he fell and became lame. He broke both of his ankles and he was lame in his feet. And his name was Mephibosheth. They were on the run. Because they were literally fearing for their life. The nurse believed Saul's lies about David. They believed that David was the problem. That he was the one who was causing all the difficulty in Israel. And so the nurse ran and traveled quickly with Mephibosheth with two broken ankles. And they ended up in a place called Lodabar. I didn't say Lodi. I said Lodabar. Lodabar was a place of no account. It was a place for hiding. In fact, the word Lodabar literally means pastureless. It means a wasteland. Being interpreted, there was absolutely nothing there. They're hiding. I want to stop right there and say this. Your location does not change your destiny. You have been born into royalty. You're on your way to heaven. You're in your wealthy place. You are what you are and who you are in Christ Jesus. No matter where you are in life. Always remember, you are an heir of God, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are, in fact, more than a conqueror. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, because I want to make sure that you get enough scripture today on this Super Bowl Sunday to satisfy your spirit. Many of you will be satisfying your flesh later, but we got to satisfy our spirit right now. Read verse 17 with me. I want to remind you who you are and whose you are. It says, and if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Stop right there and shout, thank God. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus. Now turn over to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and verse 6. Later we're going to be having communion. And so let's just talk for a moment about the blood. Reminding you again, he's living in Lodabar, but he is still royalty. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. Ready, read. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness... And the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and has made us kings and priests, unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be living Figuratively speaking, today in a place called Lodabar. You may be hiding from the king because instead of being New Testament taught, perhaps in the past you've been religiously brainwashed. Hearing things about your father that are not true. Hearing that your father is the condemner rather than the righteous one. Hearing that your father is the one that puts disablement upon people rather than enabling them. Hearing lies straight from the pit of hell about your good, good father. You might be in Lodabar today, but you're coming out and you're coming up to your wealthy place. Come on, somebody. And so we see here that in life sometimes we have been disabled. Before the cross, before we came to Jesus, we were disabled. But when we came to Calvary and we believed in our heart and said with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we have been enabled by God. In life, sometimes we all face battles and sometimes there are disappointments that come our way. Am I talking to you today? But I say by the word of the Lord, God's got an appointment for you. For every disappointment, God's got an appointment of favor. God's got an appointment for you to bring you up into your wealthy place. Amen. You may be despised by man, but I want you to know you are loved and you are highly esteemed by your good, good father. And so the picture here today is that Jonathan is killed and King Saul is killed. But David takes the initiative to find every person that he possibly can that may be left of the house of Saul. David took upon himself. He took the initiative to look for someone that he could bless and keep covenant with. You know, that reminds me this morning of a scripture that says this, that the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout this whole congregation today. For what? To condemn? No. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the king is looking for you. Look at your another neighbor and say, the king is looking for you. Woo, hallelujah. And then lift up your hands and say, look no further, look no further, Lord. Here I am. Oh, glory to God. 
You see, David and Jonathan, they were close friends. They were cut out of the same cloth. They had a kindred spirit. And they became very close. And one day they made a covenant with one another. And I want you to show what that covenant, I want to show you what that covenant states in 2 Samuel. And I believe it's over there in chapter 20 and verse 14 through 17. Let's keep tracking this together. 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 14. Here's Jonathan talking to David. And here's what he said. And thou shalt not only while I yet live show thee me kindness of the Lord that I die not. But also shalt thou not cut off thy kindness. Kindness is a covenant word. From my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made what? He made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And read verse 17 with me if you would. Ready? Read. And Jonathan caused David to swear again. Because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And now that Saul is gone, and now that David is gone, he is remembering this covenant. And so he begins to require and inquire about the house of Saul. So turn back with me, or forward to me, to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And notice with me the first four verses of that. And I'd like you to participate during this time. And I want you to read along with me, beginning in verse 1. Let's go together. And David said, Is there not any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Verse 3. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. Verse 4. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, let's keep that verse up there just for a moment. Let's break this down. Remember, he's in Lodabar, a place of hiding, pastureless, a dry land. He's hiding. And notice whose home he is in. He is in the house of Machir. Well, Machir, literally in the Hebrew, means salesman. Salesman. So what's happening here? He's out there in the desert hiding in the house of Machir the salesman and he's being sold a bill of goods. He's being sold. He is being pitched probably every day. Anybody ever been pitched by a salesman to where you just got weary of it? And he's being pitched daily. David's coming after you. You better hide. You better not Make a step out of this house because David's going to find you and David's going to kill you. And so here is Mephibosheth. He's already lame in his feet. 
And he's like this. He's cowering down because he's afraid of the king. And he is so, so distressed in his soul that he probably doesn't even have a straight thought. All he can think about is the wrath that is about to come to his life. You see, he's been sold a bill of goods. Just like many of us were sold a bill of goods by the pitch of the salesman, the devil. Coming with his lies, coming with his bait, trying to get us to run away from God when God all the time has his arms open and says, sons, daughters, don't run from me, run to me. Hallelujah. And so I want you to see the picture. All these years they've been lying to him, telling him the reason you're in this dump is because of David. The reason you're lame in your feet is because of David. David did this to you. You know, the Bible says, when we do not know God, we will not be strong. In Hosea chapter 4, and I want you to notice verse 6. Let's pick it up there. And notice Hosea, the fourth chapter in the sixth verse. Here's what happens when we're sold a bill of goods and we buy into the lies of the enemy. In Hosea 4, verse 6, I want you to read the first part of that verse. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now notice, it doesn't say the devil's people. But God is saying, My very own people, who I have made a covenant with, that I don't intend to alter or change, they're destroyed for a lack of of knowledge. A lack of knowledge can open the door to nature. It can open the door to the enemy. Listen, that word destroyed there sounds to me like John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not but for to what? Kill and to destroy. So when destruction comes into our lives, it's not so much that our David, our good, good father is bringing that into our lives. But because we have no knowledge, we open the door for the paths of the destroyer. Now, in Isaiah, it says it this way, that my people are gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. I'm telling you, the knowledge of him. Revelation knowledge of who he is and who you are in him. Identification truths of who you are in Christ will shut the door on nature. I said it will shut the door on that salesman trying to sell you a bill of goods. How many of you, be honest about it, have been sitting around the house on a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon, maybe drinking coffee or, you know, just having a good time with your wife and your kids. And all of a sudden, nature calls on the phone. And they want to sell you something. Boy, they got a deal for you. You know what our granddaughter calls that? She says, Papa, don't answer that. It's the robots calling. <laughs> she calls them robots. And she says, and they want your money. You know, they have a cell phone like we do, but they also have a landline. You got to watch out for those landlines. 
And as a senior, you've got to be very, very careful because some of the con artists out there are very witty. And they're very subtle. And they will pitch fear at you. Like we got a, a, a message the other day that says, now look, if you don't send us your social security number and proof that you're a citizen of the United States of America, we're going to shut your Bank of America account down. And at the same time, we got an email from Bank of America that looked similar, but it wasn't similar. It was different. The devil is cagey. And he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he may not devour you. He may not devour me because we are filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Come on, somebody. So as a senior, as a junior, as an in-betweener, be very careful about who you talk to on the phone. Identity theft is one of the biggest, biggest crimes in America today. Where do you suppose they got that from? They got it straight from the pit of hell because the devil's been robbing people's identity for thousands of years. But he can't rob you and he can't rob me because we got this book. I said, we got this book. We got this Bible that tells us exactly who we are and where we are going. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. So shut the door and keep the door shut on the devil. Open up your Bible. Look into the perfect law of liberty. Stay in the word, continue in the word, and the word will enhance you. It will cause you to prosper, and the word will enable you to live as more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. (laughs) So let's go. Are you all ready to go? Not home. Look at... Look at... Not yet. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I've only been preaching zero seconds. The clock broke. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good day when the the clock breaks. Amen. Maybe not so good for you, but good for me. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And in verse 7, And David said unto him three important things. Number one, fear not. David removes the fears of Mephibosheth by he saying to him, I'm going to show you covenant kindness for Jonathan, my father, your father's sake. And then secondly, he said, not only don't be afraid, but I'm about to restore you. How many of you have ever lost anything? Well, it's a new season like PT was singing. It's a new season. We're coming out. We're coming up into our wealthy place. But also God is able and will restore to you the years that the enemy has ripped off from you. How many of you believe that? I believe it with all my heart. You know what? It's happening right now. It's happening in many lives in this church. 
the restoring power of God is being activated by your faith even today. And David said to Jonathan, he said, look, I am going to restore to you all the land that Saul, your father. And not only that, but hey, you are going to eat bread at my table continually. Now, how many of you know that the king's table is a feast? I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks in between. You know the king's got the best of the land. And you know as king's kid, we're going to eat the good of the land. Come on, somebody. He prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He's prepared a six-course meal. You're going to eat at my table, not just on Christmas or Hanukkah in this case. But you're going to eat at my table continually. So number one, no fear. Number two, I will restore. And number three, you are going to eat at my table. Mephibosheth didn't feel worthy. Sometimes we don't feel worthy. But it's not about our feelings. It's about our faith in what he did for us. He knew no sin, was made to be sin for us. And placed us in right standing with him. Set us in heavenly places. And put us at the table of the Lord. In verse 9 it says. Then the king said to Ziba. Saul's servant. And said unto him. I have given unto thy master's son. All that pertain to Saul and all his house. Now listen to this. Thou therefore and thy sons. This is Saul's servant. Here's what I want you to do. You and your sons and your servants. I want you to go out and work the land. Verse 10, and I want you to bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. In other words, he doesn't even have to go out into the field. All he's got to do is show up at the table. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now listen to how many servants he had. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. How would you like to have 15 sons and 20 servants working for you all day long? Well, in one sense, the angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him. And they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for you. Because you are an heir of salvation. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. Verse 11 through 13. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all my Lord, the king hath commanded his servant. So shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of my sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. In verse 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and he was lame in his feet. Listen. Leland had a song many years ago called Carried to the Table. It's about Mephibosheth. How that Mephibosheth was unable to come to the table on his own merits. But he was carried to the table by a covenant-keeping king. And maybe you've become lame in your feet. Maybe you've been like Mephibosheth, hiding cowering back in fear, unaware of your covenant. But the king is looking for you. And the king's hand is extended towards you.
And the king will lift you up out of the miry circumstances of life, whatever they might be. He will lift you up and he will carry you to the table of covenant that you may eat and be full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So take heart today. Be encouraged today. We've got a better covenant that's established upon better promises. What God did for Mephibosheth through David, he's already done for you through Jesus Christ. And all that he's waiting on is for us to come to the table and enjoy our full rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. Somebody says, yes, pastor, but I'm hurting. Thank God there's bread at the table. Healing is the children's bread. Somebody says, yeah, but I, I feel a little bit down. I find in the scriptures that he is the glory and the lifter up of your head. Amen. He will restore to you everything that rightfully belongs to you as a child of God. And so on one hand, we were like Mephibosheth. But on the other hand, you and I, as servants of the Most High God, can be like David. What does that mean, be like David? We can seek out those that are hurting. We can seek out those that are lost. We can seek those that are lame, those that are poor, and those that are maimed. We can pour in, literally, Raul, the oil and the wine. We can bring the hungry food. We can clothe the naked. We can find people that are hurting. And we can show them the love of God that it can only be found in Christ Jesus. Somebody says, yeah, but everybody out there doesn't deserve it. Well, you didn't deserve it either, hot dog. None of us deserved it. I thank God that the king was looking for Mark Thomas. I thank God that the king was looking for Doug Anderson and found him. I thank God that the king found you, Charles. I thank God that the king snatched us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of God. The king's looking for you today. People don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. That's mercy and that's grace. What about what Jesus said? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How many have ever needed mercy in your life before? Raise two hands if you think right now, maybe. (laughs) It's like right now we need some mercy up in here. Amen. Is that right? Yeah, but they did me wrong. They said this about me. Listen, other people's heads are no place to look for your happiness. Other people's words are no place and no way for you to live. We live by the words of the master. And we have the mind of Christ. 
You see, if you live your life according to the temporary, according to things that are subject to change, you'll be up one day, down the next. But if you'll just come on over here to the eternal word of the living God and just stay there and hold fast there. The wind may blow, the floods may come, but at the end of the day, you will be the one standing because God's got his hand upon you. Hallelujah. Well, did you get anything out of this message today? Glory to God. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray this together. Declare this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of life. I receive this word today with a teachable spirit. Help me, Lord, to come to the table. Even though I may be hurting, I will come to the table based on covenant. Thank you, Lord, that you're looking for me and you found me. Help me now, Lord, to be a blessing to those that are hurting, to bring covenant promise to those that are downtrodden, and to be a blessing and to lift up people. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone that agrees, shout it a hearty amen. Come on, let's say it again. Amen, amen, amen.